0: Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Verse 17 says, And now, brethren, I wot, or I know, that word wot, W O T, uh, means to know. He says, I wot that through ignorance he did it, as did also your rulers. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And so you see, uh, two times there in that text, Peter talks about things that had been spoken by all the prophets. He says that Christ's sufferings had been spoken by all the prophets. In verse 18, uh, he says that that you know these things which God had before had showed by the mouth of all His prophets that Christ should suffer, He hath so fulfilled. And then in verse 21. When he talks about the times of restitution of all things, that's the, the uh, promised kingdom to Israel. He says that God had spoken that by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And in fact, if you skip down to verse 24, notice he says it again. Uh, this time he, he doesn't talk about all the prophets since the world began. But here he says, yea. Excuse me. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. You see, what's going on there on the day of Pentecost is not the beginning of a mystery being revealed. It's not the beginning of a of a new thing in the sense of of you know something that hadn't been prophesied, but rather it's the fulfillment of what the prophets had spoken of the prophets since the world began and the prophets since Samuel had spoken Peter says they all spoke of these days all right so the day of Pentecost and these things in the early book of Acts are the fulfillment of prophecy to the nation of Israel Um, that that phrase that Peter uses in verse 21 when he says since the world began go back go back into Luke chapter 1 here's a a good cross-reference for this as well. Peter, of course, is speaking after the resurrection of Christ. But in Luke chapter chapter 1, uh, you can go back here before, even before the birth of Christ. And John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, was a priest in the temple. You see in verse 68, he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed who? his people. He's the Lord God of Israel, and he's visited in, in sending John the Baptist, he has visited his people Israel. Uh, verse sixty nine, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Notice verse seventy, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. Now understand that the the uh The horn of salvation that's raised up is not John the Baptist, but rather it's going to be the one for whom John the Baptist is the forerunner. John the Baptist is going to proclaim another, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that horn of salvation in the house of David is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this passage tells you, according to to prophecy, what was the purpose for Christ's coming. And it was to visit and redeem his people. It was to be a horn of salvation in the house of David. And it was what was spoken by the mouth, uh, again, notice what it says, by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. All right, so you have this, this prophetic message from the beginning of the world, even you know up to here in, in Luke chapter 1, and even past the resurrection of Christ, that all of the prophets have been speaking about. Right? And it has to do with Christ, the coming of Christ into the world. It has to do with His uh, sufferings that He would suffer, and with the kingdom that He would establish. Uh, you, you see, when... When Zacharias here is talking about a horn of salvation, he's not really, here in this passage, in the context, he's not talking about an individual being saved from their sins and having eternal life. Notice what he's talking about. Verse 71, that we, which is Israel, should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father abraham that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life you see you see what when when Zacharias says that God has raised a horn of salvation in the house of David, he's not talking about an individual being saved from their sins. He's talking about the nation of Israel being saved from their enemies so that they can serve God. And always in these passages, when you're in this prophetic program, realize there's always a national aspect to what's going on. When you get into the... the uh, Part of the Bible that talks about the body of Christ, there's none of that. There, the issue is the Gentiles, the, the ethnos, the, all of the nations, not you know, a specific nation that's going to be delivered. And so, you see what this message was. You get a picture of what this message was that was spoken by all the prophets since the world began that had to do with God delivering his people. Even, even the prophets before there was a nation of Israel. Uh, really looked forward to that time where there would be a nation of Israel that God would deliver. Uh, he, in again, here it says the prophets since the world began. In Acts 3, it said the prophets since the world began. Uh, prophesied of the coming of Christ, of his sufferings, and of the, the restitution of all things. Go to Romans 16. Here's another verse we're going to look at that talks about uh, something that has happened since the foundation of the world, or since the beginning of the world, Uh, here in Romans chapter 16, as Paul is ending the book of Romans, he says in verse 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you, according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. All right? Now, here you have the Apostle Paul talking about something that was kept secret since the world began. So you have a prophetic message that was proclaimed by all the prophets since the world began, but now here Paul says there's something kept secret since the world began he calls it the revelation of the mystery and that word mystery in the bible uh, refers to something that was previously kept secret now it's you know now it's made known it, it it's not referring to something that's mystical or, you know, that's the way a lot of times religions will use the word mystery. And they'll talk about something being a mystery as being something that you can't really comprehend with the logical mind. And it's, and it's something mystical. That's not the way the Bible uses the term. The Bible uses the term to talk about something that was previously kept secret. But you see here in this passage that this mystery that was kept secret since the world began now is made manifest. Now, Peter in Acts chapter 3 is not preaching any mystery. He's not preaching something that had been kept secret. He's preaching the same thing that had been made known since the world began. And and do you see that those two things can't be the same thing? Okay? Something can't be made known and also be kept secret. Ephesians chapter 3 talks about this mystery. And... Ephesians 3 verse 1 says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Uh, now, there's several, several words we ought to define as we go down through this passage. You see in, in verse 2 that word dispensation. And a dispensation, to dispense something is to, is to distribute it, it's to give it out, right? And a dispensation would refer to something that is given out, something that's, that's dispensed. Uh, here, when Paul talks about the dispensation of the grace of God, that is identical with the mystery in, in verse 3. He says, if you've heard of the dispensation, that thing that's been given out, uh, regarding the grace of God that's given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Well, what is it that God dispensed to Paul in the dispensation of the grace of God? It is the mystery, right? So those two things are, are really the same. Uh, a, a dispensation in the Bible is that the Greek word is the word oikonomia, and it literally means house rule or house law, oikos, the house, the household. And nomos, the, the rules are, are the law. Um, in your home, you have certain rules that govern your home. Now, your, your rules don't govern anybody else's home. Your rules govern your, your home, right? And there are some house rules, a dispensation, that was given to the Apostle Paul. That is a mystery. It's this thing that was kept secret since the world began. Now, when you go back into the prophetic scriptures, you have a dispensation, you have house rules that are given out for, for the people that uh, those things are applicable to. If you were an Israelite living under the law, if you were uh, the father of John the Baptist, if you were Peter in Acts chapter 3, your house rules, your house law was not a mystery, it was what had been spoken since the world began, and and it was, I mean, really you have the the uh, fullest explanation of what the house rules were for the nation of Israel, you have in the law of Moses, okay? Those were the house rules for Israel. But here Paul is saying that there was a, a new house law, a new dispensation that was given to him, that was made known to him. And he, he says uh, in verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, As I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, notice verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. Paul is claiming here that he has had some revelation that was not made known previously. In other ages, back under the law, back before the law, this mystery was not made known. Okay? It was kept secret since the world began. He says, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now, if Paul is making this distinction, if he's saying there were some things that previously were not made known, but now are made known um, uh, to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, then that puts an important requirement on us to figure out what's the difference between those things and you know, at, at what point were these things made known? At what point were these did these new things go into effect? If we're under different house rules than what Israel was under the law, then, then what are the rules that we're under? And and again, uh, you know, when we come through God's word, when did those rules go into effect? When did that new dispensation go into effect? Uh, in fact, here Paul says that that dispensation was committed unto him. It was made known to him. Uh he, he says, uh, verse 6, he, he tells you part of what that mystery is, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now, in Luke chapter 1, when Zacharias was talking about the promise that was made to the fathers, he was talking about some promises there that didn't, didn't include Gentiles. Now, they would certainly affect the Gentiles, but they were not promises made to the Gentiles. But here Paul talks about a mystery, something that was kept secret, where the Gentiles not only, not only partake of the promise, but it says they're made fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of, of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Right Now, as Gentiles, that ought to be very important to us. Because, again, you go back into Luke chapter 1, and it talks about the Lord redeeming his people Israel. It talks, about, it talks about the Lord delivering Israel from their Gentile enemies. It doesn't talk about him redeeming the Gentiles. But here, now here you see this new information, this mystery that's revealed, uh, reveals that the Gentiles can be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. By the gospel, Paul says... Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now, it's important to understand... Regarding this mystery, Paul says that it was hid in God. He doesn't say that it was hid in the scriptures as if it was, you know, some people kind of view the mystery as being something that was there in the scriptures, but you. you You just couldn't figure it out, you know, like there were clues about it and hints about it, but nobody could figure it out and that's why it was a mystery. That's not what Paul says here. Paul says that it was hid in God, not hid in the scriptures like some sort of puzzle to figure out. It was hid in God. God didn't tell anybody about it. God intentionally kept it secret. He kept this mystery secret. Uh, and, And here you have Paul saying that it was revealed to him and it was committed to him. Right. So so when you would be looking for where that dispensation is going to go into effect, you would look for where it it begins to be revealed. God's not going to to, uh, you know, make man accountable for a certain house rule, a certain economy or administration when he hasn't revealed it yet. Right? A dispensation begins when it's revealed. Israel wasn't under the law until God actually gave the law. That's when, that's when then they were responsible for that law. And likewise, the dispensation of grace doesn't begin at the cross. Uh, it's made possible by the cross. But nothing new is revealed at the cross. Nothing new is revealed in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. Nothing new is revealed in Acts 3. It's just a continuation of what all the prophets have said since the world began. But once you get into the, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, that's where you have now this new dispensation revealed. And you see, Paul says that, that even though he was less than the least of all saints, that that grace was given to him, that he would be, that he would preach these unsearchable riches of Christ. The riches of Christ that you and I have as members of the body of Christ, you can't go back into the Old Testament and, and search them out there. They're unsearchable, they're untrackable, untraceable. Uh, Where you find them is you find them in Paul's epistles. You find them where they're revealed in that mystery, okay? And so that explains why, back in Acts chapter 3, that explains why Peter and John are going to the temple at the hour of prayer. You and I don't go to the temple at the hour of prayer, right? Uh, Why are Peter and John going to the temple at the hour of prayer? Because they're operating still under that dispensation they're operating under that that uh, prophetic program and that's what they're supposed to do Uh, that's why even later in the book of acts you see people still making animal sacrifices believers in christ still offering animal sacrifices still taking uh, jewish vows under the law and doing those kinds of things it's why you get you get uh, toward the end of the book of acts and james can say he can he can show paul and say you see how many thousands of jews there are that believe and are zealous of the law Okay, because they were still operating under that old dispensation. But Paul's been given this new dispensation that's kept secret since the world began. But now it's made known. Don't, don't you like it when uh, you, you know, you learn a secret. You knew somebody had a secret and finally you find out what it, what it was. Uh, God had a secret through all that Old Testament time. He had a secret even you know, even up past the resurrection of Christ. But he's let you in on the secret. He's let you know the information. And, and you know, that behooves us to go and find out what that mystery is. And uh, Of course, we're not going to go and look at all of the content of that mystery today. But realize that when you're in Paul's epistles, if, if you notice that things are different from all the rest of the Bible, it's because they are. It's because there's a mystery being revealed there that wasn't revealed previously. And that's the dispensation that we live under. We're not under the law. Uh, We're under this dispensation that the Apostle Paul talks about and, and is revealed in his epistles. Now, let's go back then to Acts chapter 3. But you see, that's not what Peter's preaching. Peter's not preaching a new dispensation here. Peter is preaching what was spoken by the mouth of all God's prophets, since the world began. You can go back into any of those Old Testament prophets, and they speak about Christ, his, his coming. They speak about his sufferings. They speak about his glorification and about this kingdom. And that's exactly what Peter is preaching here. And in fact, in verse 22 then, Peter is going to, to uh, give a, an example of what one of those prophets said he says for Moses truly said unto the fathers a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you and it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people okay now in this passage, Peter is speaking, Peter is quoting what Moses said, and Moses is talking about Christ. Okay, you follow all that? Uh, so Peter is talking about Moses, who's talking about Christ. When, when Moses talks about this prophet that the Lord is going to raise unto them, that prophet is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Moses, uh, the, the quote, by the way, is from the book of Deuteronomy, and you can go and, you can go and read it on your own if you want it's in deuteronomy chapter 18 but this is an important prophecy because god you know when you go back into the old testament i don't mean to indicate when i say that peter is preaching what all the prophets spoke since the world began it's not i'm not saying there aren't any changes or that there isn't any progression in that plan Certainly what happens in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost is something new in the sense that it had never happened before, that pouring out of the Holy Spirit, right? That's something new, but it was something that was prophesied by Joel, right? So it's something new in the sense that it hadn't happened before, but it's not something that was a, a mystery in the sense that it had been kept secret. It was what God said he was going to do, he just hadn't done it yet, and, and um, here, when Peter is quoting this passage from Moses, really what Moses is describing, now remember, Moses is back, you know, 1500 years before Christ. What Moses is describing is how when Christ comes, that prophet, there's going to be a, a, a change in how God is working. Now, when you go back into the Old Testament, um, to to be an Israelite, to be one of the, the people of Israel, uh, you could be born into Israel. You could, as a Gentile, you could come and, and join yourself to Israel, and if you were a, a woman, you could marry uh, a Jew like you see with Ruth, who basically becomes a a Jew as well. As a man, you could undergo circumcision and you could become like a Jew and you could could join that nation. But most of the Israelites were born as Israelites, right? And as long as you didn't, there were certain things under the law that if you did those things, it it says you would be cut off from among the people. Now, in some cases, that meant capital punishment, where you would actually be put to death for for certain offenses of the law, but often it meant that you were no longer considered an Israelite. Even if you were an Israelite by birth, there were certain things that you could do that would be an offense against the law, where basically from then on, you would be treated as a Gentile, and you were no longer uh, among the people of God, all right? So there were certain offenses that were like that. But but by and large, when you talked about the the chosen people or the people of God, it was that physical line that came from Jacob. Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, and the people of Israel are the descendants of Israel. Um, when, When Christ comes on the scene, there start to be some changes in that. Not that Gentiles are brought into the people of Israel there at that time, but rather that who the the true nation of Israel is begins to be narrowed down, okay, uh, so that it's not enough just to be a descendant of Abraham or a descendant of Jacob. You remember what Christ said to the Pharisees when uh, when they claimed that they were the children of Abraham. There were many different occasions where they did. First of all, he told them, if you were children of Abraham, he says, you would you would hear me. If you were really the children of Abraham, see, they would, they would have believed on Christ. Uh, the issue with Christ was not just that they were the physical children of Abraham, but that they believed on him. Uh, Christ, Christ told those Pharisees, he said, God could of these stones raise up children of Abraham. He, he basically tells them, don't think that it's something special, just being a child of Abraham. If God wants to make chi- children of Abraham, he can do that himself. He doesn't need you, right? But, but all of that is based in what Moses had said here, that once Christ came on the scene, the, the issue as far as who was truly an Israelite was not just that they were a physical descendant of Israel, but that they had to believe on Christ. You see, you see what he says. He says that God's going to raise up this prophet of their brethren, like, like unto Moses. He says, "Him shall ye hear in, in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you." And verse twenty-three says, "It shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people." You see, those Pharisees who didn't believe on Christ, those Israelites who didn't believe on Christ, they're still physical descendants of Abraham, but as far as God's concerned, they became cut off from the people of Israel. They're destroyed from among the people, not in the sense of of physical death, but they're not considered the true Israel anymore. All right? Now, all through, really all through the Bible, beginning in, in Genesis chapter 3, you have a prophecy regarding a seed that's going to come. And all through the Bible, God is narrowing down that seed, right? In Genesis chapter 3, it's the seed of the woman. Um, later, it becomes the, the seed of Seth. And, and uh, Eve says about Seth when he's born that God had appointed another seed instead of Abel. Uh, later, at the flood, God narrows down that seed to being the seed of Noah, and uh, he, he destroys all the rest of the earth. Later, it's Abraham, he chooses out Abraham, and he begins to deal with, with Abraham in a special way. And then it's not all of Abraham's descendants, but it's only through Isaac, not through any of Abraham's other children. And then it's not through all of Isaac's children, uh, but only through Jacob. And then, you know, he has this people of Israel there that are that are those descendants of Jacob, but he begins to reveal what's going to be the seed that that Christ is actually going to come from. And that it would be from the tribe of Judah, that that Judah, it would be from Judah that the um, that the scepter, the the sign of king kingship would abide with the tribe of Judah. Later, it's the line of David, so one specific family out of that tribe of Judah. And you see how God's always narrowing down that that line until you get to Christ. And once Christ came on the scene, now the issue as far as who was the true Israel of God was, are you that that subset of the people of Israel that believes on Christ? And so, for instance, Israel often in in the Bible is referred to as sheep, and they're called a flock. And yet Christ referred to his disciples as the little flock. They were that smaller group within the outward nation that believed on him. And uh, he told that little flock that the whole outward nation was not going to receive the kingdom, but that it was the Father's pleasure to give to them the kingdom. The promises to the nation of Israel were not going to be fulfilled to every single Israelite, but rather to the Israelites who believed on Christ, because the ones who didn't, according to Moses, would be destroyed from among the people. They were basically in the same state as the Gentiles were. And so what, what Peter now is giving them opportunity again to do, as he preaches here in Acts 3, is he's saying... You haven't, that that prophet that Moses spoke about, you haven't heard him yet, you haven't listened to him yet, you haven't believed on him yet, but here's your opportunity, here's another opportunity for you to repent, for you to be converted, for you to, to believe on him and be a part of the true people of Israel that are going to receive that kingdom. Alright? And that's why he, he quotes from Moses there. And you see then Peter says in verse 24, Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel... Those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. He says, Ye are the children of the prophets. Now there he's saying they're the children of the prophets in just you know, just the physical sense. Uh, he says, Ye are the children of the prophets, and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. He says unto you first, God, and having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. Hi, I'm Richard Church, the teacher here on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you've listened to our podcast today, and I would like to let you know that if you have any questions about anything you've heard here you can contact me by email at richard at richardchurch.com or by telephone 608-339-9522. I also encourage you to check out our church website at www.friendshipbiblechurch.com. Thank you for joining us today. And our prayer is that this program would be a blessing to you in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's grace.